Today on Abounding Grace, see what the Word of God can do for you. The Bible is a valuable resource, the most important resource in your life when you're hassled, when you're doubting, when you're worried, when you're second-guessing. You too can turn to the Word of God to gain God's wisdom on any subject, to answer any question, to encourage you and strengthen you in the hassles and issues in your own life. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my prayers. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing there's no doubt about it these are difficult days we're living in but god hasn't left us alone or without any help today on abounding grace we'll show you how god wants to encourage you through his word it has just what you need as you face the difficulties and issues of life here's pastor ed taylor in hebrews chapter 3 with his message slow down and meditate on the word of god hebrews chapter 3 we're going to be studying the first couple verses, and the title of my message is Slow Down and Meditate on the Word of God. And that is the word of the Lord to us today, slow down, slow down. Now, the book of Hebrews is written in the first century to the first generation of followers of Jesus Christ the first generation of believers after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Primarily, they were Jewish. The audience of this book were Jewish believers, Jewish Christians, who are beginning to second-guess their decision following Jesus. They're beginning to doubt that they made the right decision. They're beginning to second-guess because in order to embrace Messiah, their Savior, they had to leave the religious system that they were raised in. Now, most of the Jewish people believed that the Jewish system of religion known as Judaism was all that there was. And in order to do that, you would have to neglect the 330 prophecies or predictions of the first coming of Jesus Christ. That over and over again, as the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies with the blood of the Lamb and sprinkle it on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Tabernacle every single year, year after year, it would be a reminder that one day the high priest wouldn't have to do that because Messiah would come and he would pay the full price for the forgiveness of sins. And they wouldn't have to go into the Holy of Holies. And when Jesus came, most rejected him but many received him. And in order to follow Jesus Christ, they had to make a commitment. And when they made that commitment, they literally lost everything. They lost their identity. They lost their family. They lost their source of income. And in many cases, they were ostracized from community to the point where they lost even where they lived and the people that they grew up with. It was an all-or-nothing decision for this audience, this group that this letter was written to. So now they're dealing with it. They're struggling. 
While we may not struggle for those reasons, I have found that many folks that have dedicated their life to following Jesus and are born again come to a place in their life where they start to second guess their decision to follow Christ. Things get hard, things get difficult, trials come. Uh, and and then I've even heard this before. I've heard people say, you know, it was easier to live life when I was an unbeliever than it is as a believer. But that's not true. But people feel that way. You may even be second-guessing your relationship with God right now, having doubts, concern about whether you made the right decision or not. And so what Paul does then, God does now. Paul takes out a pen and he begins to write a letter encouraging and strengthening their faith. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And the way that your faith is strengthened, the way my faith is strengthened, is for me to open up the Bible and allow God to speak to the issues in my life. The Bible is a valuable resource, the most important resource in your life when you're hassled, when you're doubting, when you're worried, when you're second-guessing. You too can turn to the Word of God to gain God's wisdom on any subject, to answer any question, to encourage you and strengthen you in the hassles and issues in your own life. You see, we're separated by a couple thousand years from the audience that Hebrews was written to, and yet we're very connected to them because we have and face some of the same things that they face. As we learn in the first chapter, he said, he said, be careful to take heed, the more earnest heed to the things that you've heard, so why? You don't drift away. And there's a lot of drifting among believers today. And yet God has given us his word filled with precious promises of God's faithfulness in our lives. Would you turn your Bibles over to 2 Peter? We'll get back to Hebrews. You can put a, put a marker there, but in, go over to 2 Peter chapter 1, which is to the right, 2 Peter chapter 1, as God wants to encourage you through his word. Could it be that the hassles and the issues and difficulties you're facing today right now are actually being made worse because you don't go to the source of your help, Jesus Christ? You don't come to his word on a regular basis? Notice in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Peter writes, and he would know. He hung out with Jesus for three years. He failed and was restored by Jesus. He was very close to Jesus. And he tells us, inspired by the Holy Spirit, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which, verse 4, have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. And we know Jesus better. His divine power gives us everything we need for living a godly life. The divine power gives us everything we need for living a godly life. He's called us to receive his own glory and goodness. And by that same mighty power, he's given us all of his rich and wonderful promises. Every issue in your life is solved through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And how do we gain the knowledge of Jesus Christ? As he's revealed himself in the word. Remember we learned in the very beginning when we opened up the book of Hebrews that we wouldn't know God if he didn't choose to reveal himself to us. We wouldn't know. That's why people make up all kinds of false religions and all kinds of false ideas because they don't listen to the revelation of God in his word. And Peter says today that the way of peace 
and the way of confidence and the way of perseverance and endurance is knowing Jesus Christ. And if you spent your entire life, all the life that you have left, getting to know Jesus better through his word, through prayer, and through service, you would be a better man and a better woman for it. He's given us all things, all things pertaining to life and godliness. Now consider that. He's given us all things pertaining to godliness. That's our relationship with God. That's our vertical relationship with God. Everything we need is given to us through Jesus Christ in order to relate with God. And he's given us all things pertaining to life. And that's how we relate to one another. All the interpersonal issues we have, all the difficulties we have with people. We have everything that we need in Jesus Christ. The Christian life is a complete package. And so you don't need Jesus and man's wisdom. You don't need Jesus and men's solutions. You don't need Jesus and drugs. You don't need Jesus and alcohol. You don't need Jesus and a pastor. You don't need Jesus and a mentor. In him, you have all that you need. Everything that you need. Now, God has given to the church, pastors and teachers, so that we might understand the word and use our gifts. But you don't need me in order to get through life. You don't need me in order to understand the Bible. Because God has given to you His Holy Spirit, believers, that God dwells in you. And that the Holy Spirit's like a flashlight in the dark. He illuminates and makes the Bible understandable. If there's one thing about the Bible I hear the most is, I just can't understand it, Ed. I just can't understand it. I read it and I don't understand it. I don't think so much the Bible's a difficulty for the things that we don't understand the Bible is really a difficulty for the things that we do understand. And the Bible is not hard to understand, especially for believers. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't some challenging places. There are some challenging places in the Bible, for sure. There are top tens. I mean, people have written books on Bible difficulties, so there's definitely difficulties. But you don't want to put the Bible down and exchange it for something else because you've hit a couple places that are hard to understand. Let me say, if that's you today, and you go, Ed, I've been reading the Bible, I've been trying, read the Bible for six months, two years, whatever it might be, and I'm just not getting it. Stop reading where you're reading right now. And today, do two things. Open up later this afternoon to the book of John, which is the fourth book in the New Testament. The book of John, it's called the Gospel of John. Open and begin to read there. After you do number two, ask God to help you understand the Bible. Very simple prayer. Say, God, I'm about, you know, I've had trouble reading. You know, just talk to God. There's no formal flowery language for prayer. You can just do something like this. You could say, God, you know it's been hard for me reading the Bible, and I haven't been understanding much of it. So the guy at church today told me to do this, to open up to John, I'm doing it, and I'm asking you, help me to understand it. And as you start reading John, you're going to find out there's a lot about Jesus that's very easy to understand, to receive and accept. The problem is, is that there's a lot of confusion when it comes to the Bible because many men and women have adopted part of the way the world thinks. The world's methods and the world's advancements have definitely infiltrated and confused the church today. You know, with scientific advancements and everything that they're finding to help solve disease and all the, the knowledge that's increasing. As the Bible predicted, in the last days, knowledge would increase. But, but knowledge is increasing. And men are getting smarter and smarter and they're finding more and more solutions. But the problem is that the world's not getting any better. It's not improving to the point where we're finding that it's worth it. 
Oh, it's good that people are being healed and it's good that medicines are being delivered, but man, what, what man is doing, I mean, I've seen this again and it just seems like every week there's a new article on how important it is for us to conquer Mars. Like that, that's the big deal for men. And here's the issue. When man starts with man, everything ends with man. And what a circle. It's like a dog chasing its tail. When there's nothing outside of the wisdom and knowledge of man, you know what man does? Man worships man and knowledge. And he's been doing it for centuries, from the very beginning of time. And the way that the world operates, I mean, you live in the world, you work in the world, you might even be in a field of scientific advancement and knowledge, and, and the world has bought into a false system of belief. that We call it humanistic evolution. Why do we call it humanistic? Because it begins and ends with man. I mean, think about it. If the origin of man is just a blob of goo or a monkey, either one, doesn't matter, it changes all the time, and over time that blob grew an eye and, you know, had some hair, and now we've got legs and all this nonsense, and there you are, man, here you are, you arrived. If you're just a blob of goo, who do you, or boo, whatever you are, I don't know what it is, whatever you are, if that's what you are, then who do you answer to? yourself. And when man answers to self, we live in a chaotic world. So, so let me give you a verse that's really under, easy to understand in the Bible. It's the very first verse of the very first book, and it says this, in the beginning, God. And here's the course of your life. The course of your life is simply this. You either believe it or you don't. And that will take you on. There's only two options. You either believe it or you don't. There's no mixture of the two. Either in the beginning, God, or people replace that in the beginning, man. See, the Bible gives you direction for life. And because of the advancements and methods and all the thinking in the world, it's infiltrated the church and confused so many. I dare say someone listening to me right now is really confused about the origins of man because you're unwilling to believe the very first verse in the Bible. It's not as confusing as you make it out to be. God created you in his own image. You bear the marks of God. He put eternity into your heart where that is a longing to be right with your creator. But sin has separated you from God. And that's probably the number one reason why people don't read the Bible. People don't read the Bible because it seems as if, and it feels as if on every page, as you're reading it, I know the words are there, but the end of the section, you're reading it, and you're reading all this information, but it really is just saying, you have sinned against God. You have sinned against God. You say, well, I'm going to try another book. And what does that say? You have sinned against God. You don't need anybody to define that for you because you know your life is messed up. You know that you're not right. You know, despite all the justifications, all the smoke and mirrors that you use to cover up your life, inside, when you put your head on the pillow at night, you know that you are not living a life that pleases God. You know that. And so what do you do? You either come clean before God and you repent of your sin and submit your life back to your creator or you go on living life, doing your own thing, your own way, and we just have to ask, how's that working out for you? How's it working out for you, living your life according to your way? And it's at this point where somebody says, well, it's doing pretty good. I got money in the bank, brand new car, couple houses, doing pretty good. Really, how's I gonna get you into heaven? Well, Ed, I'm a good person. 
Also, good people with a lot of money, cars, and a nice house, they get into heaven. Yes, Ed, of course. I really try to do more good than I do bad. The only problem is that's a man-based thought. That's a man-based thinking that in order to get into heaven, which, by the way, you do believe in heaven, so then if there is a heaven, then there is a hell. And if there's a heaven and a hell, then there's a God that created them, right? So if you believe in a God that created you in heaven and hell, why aren't you living according to what he says? Because what he says is only perfect people get into heaven. And you know that you're not perfect. And I know I'm not perfect. So then what gives? Well, in order to bridge the gap between imperfection and what God requires, God supplied what he requires. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to sacrifice his perfect life in exchange for all those that would put, all those imperfect men and women like me and you that would place their faith in him and trust him with their lives. Because I can tell you from personal experience, a portion of my own personal testimony, that as I lived life my way, doing my thing, the way I wanted to do things, it didn't work out pretty good for me. It actually brought me to a place of brokenness and hopelessness to which God responded. And maybe that's you today because it's in Jesus Christ that a life has changed where a man or a woman is born again. It's in Jesus Christ that you and I are able to become a new creation and old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In Jesus Christ, we have principles and truths that will change your life from the inside out. The knowledge that's in Jesus Christ by faith will transform you. There is power, great power in the gospel, in the good news. Paul said that he believed in the gospel and he was not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God unto salvation for all that believe, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. He believed in the power of the gospel because the power of the gospel is enrooted in the author of the gospel, Jesus his death, and resurrection. And as Peter said, the Bible is filled with precious promises. Consider these if you're taking note. There's the promise of help. The Bible says in Psalm 50, verse 15, call upon me in the day of trouble and I'll deliver you. Call upon me when you're hurting. I'll deliver you. There's the promise of comfort in Psalm 27, verse 10. When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. There's the promise of encouragement in Psalm 138, verse 8. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. There's the promise of forgiveness in Psalm 86, verse 5. For you, O Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to those who call upon you. And all the promises of God are true. Because, you know, a promise is only as good as the person that gives it. Anybody here, you can answer out loud. Anybody here have anyone in their life break a promise to you, yes or no? Yeah, we all have. But in the list of people that have broken promises to us, God is not on that list. He has kept all of his promises, so much so that in case we ever doubt while we're waiting, because some of us are waiting for promises, we misinterpret the patience of God and the waiting on God like he doesn't hear us or that he doesn't care. But no, the Bible says that as we wait on God, where strength is renewed, that God uses the waiting periods in us to grow us and to strengthen us. But just in case you're doubting the promises of God, just in case you're doubting God, 
The Bible says of itself, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It may not be totally settled in your heart yet, but it is settled in heaven. His word is sure and steadfast. God is immovable. He is trustworthy, and he will never break his promise with you and with me by faith in Jesus Christ. We'll take a brief break from our study right here, but Pastor Ed Taylor will be back with a few more things to say, and this is Abounding Grace. Would you like to hear today's message again? You can listen online 24-7 at AboundingGraceRadio.com or hear us through Apple Podcasts. Another way to go is to download our church app and Grace FM Colorado app. Do a search for Calvary Aurora. You'll find Abounding Grace right there, as well as many other helpful resources. Where in the world did that come from? Maybe that's crossed your mind when you've had a nasty thought. And sometimes our thoughts are out of control along with our lives. But I'm happy to say there is a way to win the war in your mind. Craig Groeschel lays out the strategy in his book, Winning the War in Your Mind. Drawing from scripture and the latest findings of brain science, Craig presents practical strategies that will help free you from the grip of harmful and destructive thinking and go on to live the life God intends for you to live. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more by calling 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. We can't thank you enough for your support. God is doing a wonderful work through the radio and Internet these days, and you can be a part of it. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. As we return now to Pastor Ed, we see the importance of considering Jesus as we go through the ups and downs of life. Hebrews chapter 3. And I want to draw our attention to one principle to a couple principles, but I want to emphasize one in these first two verses. Hebrews chapter 3. We just thank God for his promises and for the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Therefore, verse 1, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him, who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. He says, hey, look, guys, you believers, you followers of Christ, you holy brethren, you've partaken of the heavenly calling. You're saved. The divine nature is working in you. You have escaped the corruption from the world. In all your doubts, in all your drifting, in all your difficulties, in all your concerns, all your second guessing, all your wondering, he says, consider. Mark that word. Would you circle it? Consider Jesus. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession. Circle the word consider and write next to it, deeply consider. You can write the word understand fully, the phrase understand fully. It also means to observe and take notice. And then I'm going to give you another word I want you to associate with this. Uh, It's not the definition of the Greek word, but it is deeply connected, and that's the word meditate. So just jot it down somewhere if you like to write in your Bibles or in your notes, meditate. 
The idea of slow down in the difficulty, slow down in your thought life, slow down, take every thought unto captivity to the obedience of Christ, slow down and consider the apostle. The word apostle means to be sent. So Jesus was sent to us. And notice it's a capital A. And it's not, it's not the, the technical definition of one of the 12 apostles. It's a generic word in the Greek that means one that was sent. Jesus was sent to us. And the high priest. Now this is an official phrase that points us back to the many high priests in the Old Testament of Judaism that would go every year into the Holy of Holies of the tabernacle and the temple as a part of their worship and also a type and a picture of Jesus to come that would take the blood of the lamb and sprinkle it on the lid or what is known as the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And every year he would sprinkle that for, for the covering of the sins of the people for another year. Though that blood in the Old Testament didn't take away sin, it just covered it. One year, covered it, one year. The high priest would have to do that every year until Jesus Christ came, the one true high priest who the Bible says didn't cover our sins. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He's the high priest. He says, consider him. In all that you're going through, consider him. There's more to come in Hebrews chapter 3. We'll again reveal the importance of slowing down and meditating on the Word of God tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora. 